When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to have some predictions coming up here for the second half of the season on the podcast. But first, of course, I've got to tell you about Football Insider because if you haven't checked it out, you really should. It just starts with you get access to these exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown. So like just for example, on Tuesday, I put up a, a story laying out the, the playoffs for the Browns and, and the teams in the race, schedules, all of that stuff. And... If you are a Football Insider subscriber, you got access to that story. You also get a daily newsletter emailed directly to you. And that's written by one of us on the Browns team. You're the only one that sees that. Our Football Insider subscribers, I should say. The only ones that see that. It doesn't go anyplace else. And we have our text service where me, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, will text you throughout the day with our thoughts about the Browns analysis. And we also do live post-game shows with our text subscribers. We have a text subscriber on every week to pick games on this podcast, I think it's worth checking out. So to do that, go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner right at the top of the page. Click on that, get all your information, and get signed up. everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kate Cabot. Mary Kate, how are you? I'm doing really well, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and Scott Patsko joining us also. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Scott, of course, fresh off a new, got to watch the tape as well today. So uh, as we always say, get subscribed to that Orange and Brown Talk feed so you can get our seven weekly podcasts about the Cleveland Browns. We've got everything covered as they go to the second half. Okay, so let's look ahead to the second half. And, uh, you know, we all love making predictions so much. I figured we'd do a podcast of predictions Uh, coming out of the first eight games. So we're all going to have two predictions here of what we think will happen. Some might be big, some might be small, whatever it is. uh, What might happen in the second half of the season for the Browns? Uh, Mary Kay, why don't you kick us off? Give us your first prediction. Okay, the first thing I have is I think that Jarvis Landry is going to catch somewhere in the neighborhood of five touchdown catches in the second half of the season. He doesn't have any yet. Uh, It took the passing game a while to get rolling in the first half. It didn't really get rolling in the first half. They're ranked 29th in the NFL right now in passing. Who would have thought that? You were supposed to be able to pick your poison, right? Um, And it just didn't really turn out that way. Now, Jarvis has been playing with two cracked ribs, uh, you know, since that Colts game. That has not helped matters at all, uh, because if, if not for that, he might have two touchdown catches in the Raiders game. Uh, so he, he just hasn't been himself at all. He has 33 receptions. That's first on the team, but it's still only about four per game. So it's not the typical Jarvis Landry Pro Bowl type of season that we're used to seeing from him. But now that Odell Beckham Jr. is gone, he's going to need to be the guy. I think he's going to feel a lot better with the ribs. I think Baker Mayfield's going to look to him a lot more. I think Kevin Stefanski knows better now how to use Baker Mayfield. And I think Jarvis will be targeted a lot more. I see a way better 
second half for Jarvis. It's a weird season for Jarvis Landry. He's on pace for like 66 catches. Mm -hmm. And I think his low to this point is 80, 81. So nowhere near. And like you said, the touchdowns is just wild that he doesn't have any yet. Um, I don't know if, if, if the Raiders game is any indication, he's going to see a ton of passes over the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he had 11 targets that game. So yeah, it's just going to be weird to go from Jarvis Landry and even Odell Beckham Jr. For, to an extent being on this trajectory where they're not going to get anywhere near what we expected of them to produce in recent years. And now all of a sudden, I think that that's maybe out the window in Landry's case. Yeah, I mean, he's on pace, like you mentioned, Scott, for a career low in catches. 81 is his low. That was actually in 2018, uh, believe it or not. And then he's also on, on pace for a, a career low in targets. He's on pace for 100, and he's never had – he had 112 his rookie year. And since then, it doesn't look like he's been under 131. Um, so kind of a weird year. And, you know, like I'm listening to this, and it still just feels strange because I still feel like Jarvis has had – pretty big impact on this team, even though the numbers aren't there. It, it just doesn't feel like, you know, I'm not watching him thinking, oh, he's on pace to 120 catches, but I'm also not watching him thinking, man, he's having a really unproductive season. Yeah. You know what though, Dan, when you think about it too, and I do agree with you on that because he has done so many things and we can think to uh, the touchdown pass that he threw to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, we've seen him run reverses. You know, he, he is being targeted, you know, a fair amount. So he has been doing a lot of stuff. But think about this, both of you guys, is that um, we're seeing him drop passes that he's yeah. never dropped before. I mean, never. Uh, I had him down for three drops in the Raiders game and he had two drops in the Colts game. Now the common denominator to both of those games was the fact that he is playing with broken ribs. So I'm going to going to attribute it to that. I don't think that, that that's Jarvis and I don't think he's going to continue to drop passes in the second half. And he's also tried to tell us since training camp that he wasn't going to be hundred percent from the hip injury until I don't know, somewhere September, October. So I think he's going to be better off from that standpoint going forward as well. And he has a lot of bad defenses too coming up, which I think could work in his favor. Just like the first half of the season, you know, you, the Texans are, I think, worst uh, in the league in pass defense uh, right now. So you got that coming up. Jaguars, Jets, Giants, um, yeah. the Eagles aren't great. So, uh, you know, offensively, just overall, I think the Browns are set up good and, and someone like Landry in his position, I think, can flourish. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up on PFF, his, uh, his drops and his career. He's got four this year. Um, last year he had five. He had six in 2018. But, of course, remember, these are full seasons here. His career high is seven um, in 2017 in Miami and 2015 in Miami. Um, but this year he's already up to four. And, unfortunately, they don't have his drop, the drop percentage on this page I'm looking at. But – um, it, it has seemed very out of character. Some of these footballs he's put on the ground. Scott, what do you have? Well, I can't believe uh, Mary Kay didn't take this. I thought for sure that when I wrote this down, Mary Kay is going to go first and I'm not going to be able to, uh, I, so I came up with more than two, but uh, my, my prediction is Miles Garrett is going to break the Brown single season record uh, for sacks, which is 14 and a half, which has stood since 65 Bill Glass. Um, and who knows if anybody ever really had more than that, because Sacks really weren't an official stat until the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. So yeah. this is a case of people kind of going back in the record books, trying to figure it out. Um, 
So who knows? But 14 and a half is where we're standing. And I think you know, he's got nine now. I think he's, I'm, I didn't, I actually haven't looked at the, at the leaders since this past week's games, but I know he was tied for the lead with Aaron Donald going into the weekend. Um, so he's set up really well. I mean, he's getting to the quarterback a ton and just causing all sorts of problems. I think this is the year that it finally happens. Well, actually, Scott, he was going to be my second bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have another one. <laughs> I don't have another one, but by the uh -oh. time it comes around to me another time, I will, uh, I will have one for you guys. But, um, but the other thing I was going to say about Miles, the other prediction about him was going to be uh, that I think he's going to have four more strip sacks. Uh, again, I, I think they're playing a lot of uh, inferior quarterbacks. I think that they're playing a lot of bad teams. And I think he's going to be on a mission. I think he's on a mission uh, to make NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And, and I think he's going to continue to play with his hair on fire in the second half. Uh, I went out to practice yesterday and he looked totally fine to me going through individual drills. He did not seem to be suffering any lingering effects from the knee, the ankle, the wrist or anything like that. Uh, I, I think that he knows that this is his year uh, to try to win NFL defensive player of the year uh, because, you know, you've got guys like Nick Bosa that are not around uh, that are out for the season. You've got Chandler Jones out for the season. There's not a whole lot of competition. He's playing amazing. Uh, I mean, he's playing horrible teams and like Ronnie Stanley's out, you know, he's got, he gets occasionally a little break like that. And whenever I say that, Dan always says, yeah, but he takes advantage of it. And it's true, <laughs> he does. But there is, it's different when you don't play Taylor Lewan, you know, it's different when you don't play Ronnie Stanley. Uh, those guys, you know, are really, really good at their jobs. And it's a whole, lot easier to not have to commit two and three people to miles when you've got a guy that can at least sometimes handle him one-on-one. -on -one. So I see a very big, very big second half of the season for miles Garrett that ends in NFL defensive player of the year. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going on track record, it, it seems like this is probably a two horse race between miles and Aaron Donald right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Stefan Gilmore won last year and he was the first non-edge rusher to win uh, since 2010. So this is an award that almost always goes to an edge rusher, especially if you start in that 2011 season when Terrell Suggs won it and then J.J. Watt went on his little run. You know, Aaron Donald had won two in a row before Gilmore. So this is predominantly, much like MVP is kind of a quarterback award now, this is predominantly an edge rusher award. And occasionally you get somebody who sneaks in as a, a cornerback or a safety uh, but it, it kind of seems like this is going to be a two horse race and he's going to get his opportunities. And Mary Kay, I'll say it again. He, take advantage of it. How many, <laughs> how many guys have taken advantage of Greg Robinson? I mean, Nick Bosa's best game came against Greg Robinson last right. year. So, no, uh, right. you know, and, and I think there have been situations where miles hasn't necessarily taken advantage of, of those things. And I think he is now this year. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Okay. He's making, My, oh, I was going to say, he's making the kind of plays that people notice too, like the strip sacks and even the, uh, you know, he didn't really get credit for it, but the safety against the Colts, you know, it was, it was Garrett causing pressure and forcing, you know, Philip Rivers to throw it away in the end zone. So, um, you know, those are things that I think people who are voting are seeing, you know, you see those in the highlights and, and you, uh, you know, it makes an impact. Plus you guys, he was on pace, or at least he was going to be a candidate for NFL defensive player of the year last year when he had 10 sacks in 10 games, got suspended for the final six games of the season. 
He feels that's unfinished business. He knows that this is his opportunity to seize the moment. And I really see him going out and nailing it. Okay, uh, my prediction, I, I guess this is a little bit of a downer, uh, but I always get a little uncomfortable when, you know, and I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time too. And I've probably done it on every podcast we've done for like the last two weeks, but I always get a little uncomfortable counting up wins, like saying, okay, they'll beat this team. They'll beat this team. They'll beat this team. If this team's going to get to 10 wins, it's going to happen because they beat either Baltimore or Pittsburgh. They're going to lose to one of these teams that they're going to be favored against. And it's, it's probably if they do lose to one of these teams, it's probably going to happen in the next two weeks. So either like a shootout with Deshaun Watson, kind of like what happened against Cincinnati, except maybe it doesn't go their way this time, or that Philly pass rush shows up and just, you know, forces Baker Mayfield to turn the ball over a couple of times. I know Nick Chubb coming back is obviously enormous and, and maybe means that that minimizes some of those things that could happen. Uh, but it's, it just, you usually don't win all the games you're supposed to win in the NFL. It's just kind of how it works. And I, I, they're not going to lose to the Jets. They're not going to lose to the Jags. Uh, but one of these games they're supposed to win, they're going to end up losing. And, and Tennessee, by the way, I'm not, I'm not writing in as a loss. I don't put them on the same level as Pittsburgh or Baltimore. I think if they're going to get to 10 wins, they're going to have to beat Pittsburgh or Baltimore to do it. Hmm. That, that's, that's an interesting take. And, Maybe and, I should say, I don't know. I haven't done the full math, but yeah, I think that I think you're going to yeah. have to win one of those games. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like your take. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It's different. And I do agree that usually there is that one game each year where you lose a game that you are expected 100% to win. And I don't think the Raiders game falls into that category because I don't think that they were 100% expected to win that game. I think they're expected to beat the Jaguars and the Jets and the Giants, and to a certain extent, the Texans and the Eagles. So I agree, they probably, there's a good chance that they, one of those games might sneak up on them and it will come down to a matchup. And uh, you're right about maybe like the pass rush of the Eagles or something like that, because, uh, you know, these teams, when you see these weird, you know, losing teams beat a winning team, it comes down to the matchup situation. And in the case of Baker Mayfield, it would be getting pressure, uh, or, or getting picked off. So the team that can do that to him, regardless of what their record is, and if they can win the turnover battle, will have a chance to win the football game. Now, when I look at Pittsburgh and what they're doing right now, I do not see the Browns being able to beat Pittsburgh. If they're, because that defense is just too darn good. I, I'm just not feeling it. Um, but, it, you know, if they're going to beat one of those teams, I guess I would think that maybe it could be Baltimore because Lamar has been a little bit up and down this season. So I, I think Pittsburgh has been more solid as long as Ben is healthy. Now he had two knee injuries uh, this week and he's not practicing all week because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're thinking that they're going to beat one of those teams and I had to pick one, I would pick Baltimore. Yeah. You know, I, I texted out to our football entire subscribers last week I think kind of a kind of updated prediction I think I picked nine and seven yeah I picked nine and seven at the beginning of the year and I said you know I could see them going five and three over the second half you know if you want to say they're not going to beat Baltimore and in Pittsburgh fine that's two and then you know you got one more loss out of the rest um I think that's 
that's realistic, but also just, you know, the nature of the NFL, I can certainly see them slipping up against, you know, the Eagles uh, or, you know, anybody uh, out of those other teams. One thing I think is uh, kind of interesting, think about last year after eight games, they were two and six, and we were talking about how they kind of really had to be perfect down the stretch. And it's everything just fell apart. You know, people were injured, people get suspended, and it was just a mess. And clearly they, you know, they didn't run the table or win as many as they had to. This year, they're five and three. They don't have to have that kind of, you know, there's more margin for error, I guess. Uh, and they're, you know, coming out of the bye week, you know, Mary Kay, you're tweeting and, and writing about all these people who are back on the practice field this week. And it just seems like it's all hitting at the right time. And, um, you know, so I think you should definitely have optimism if you're a Browns fan going into these last eight games. Uh, but in the back of your mind, know that this Browns team is probably not going to blow anybody out that even, you know, the Texans and the Jaguars and, and these teams that are not doing so well, they're still probably gonna have to score 30 points and it's probably going to be a, you know, a 10 point margin. So it's not going to be easy, but I think they can, I think they can go five and three over the second half. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's entirely possible. I don't, I don't say it in a pessimistic way. I just think, uh, you know, I always think it's a little dangerous to just sort of say, you know, these are the teams they're going to beat and these are the teams they're going to lose to because it's just so hard over eight games. The NFL season always feels so long. Like you, when you look at it from 10,000 feet, it's like, oh, it's only 16 games, but then it starts to get really long and, and you have little slip ups here and there. And I think the Browns, maybe they're going to get lucky with Pittsburgh too. Maybe Pittsburgh is going to have the one seed locked up by the time they, they roll into Cleveland in week 17, who knows, but I, I would have, there, there's a, there's a bull prediction waiting to happen. <laughs> Browns Steelers back in Cleveland and Ben Roethlisberger is and play in and who's on oh. the Steelers. I didn't think about that one. <laughs> mm. I um, I'm I'm just playing into that uh that reviewer on our our iTunes channel who said that I actively root against the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that in a pessimistic way. I'm just saying that I would actually love it if it took the, a win over Pittsburgh or a win over Baltimore to get to ten wins. I think it would be a statement by this football team. All right, Mary Kay, what's your? Actually, you know what? Let's do a break, and then we'll do the uh, the second round of predictions here. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. We're making predictions. Mary Kay, I know you need to scramble to find a second one. So what is it? Well, I'm just pulling this right off the top of my head right now. Uh, so I'm going to say that Case Keenum is going to have to start a football game for the Cleveland Browns in the second half for some reason, whether it be for COVID or for injury or for, you know, something. Uh Case Keenum is going to maybe not maybe not have to start the game, but play most of a game or a significant amount of a football game at some point in the second half of the season. And like I said, the only reason why I'm saying that is because things are getting things are getting a little weird with the whole COVID situation. Uh, as I mentioned before, Ben Roethlisberger is on the uh, on the list right now. It just seems like like we're going to have some COVID drama in the second half. There's just too many cases going around. There's just too much stuff going on in the NFL about it. Uh, as we know, they passed, uh, you know, they passed a, an emergency plan today, whereby eight teams might make the playoffs in each conference uh, if, if they lose a meaningful game at some point this season. So um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, something like that might happen. That makes sense. I would maybe put that more towards the outrageous prediction uh, 
uh, <laughs> file, but I mean, the, the further along we get in, in the season and with cases rising, it does make sense to think that uh, that could happen. Um, Browns obviously certainly hope it doesn't, but man, if I'm surprised that really, I mean, nobody from the Browns has missed a game because of that. Uh, that's, I would, I would guess that's got to happen before the end of this season that somebody's going to miss a game because, you know, and I'm talking, uh, you know, key player, impact starter, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, if it's Baker, then it's Baker. And <laughs> you really got to hope they're playing the right team that week, I think. Well, and I mean, look, look at what happened this weekend, right? I mean, Baker goes on that list on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Browns were lucky that, that it happened during a bye. They're also lucky that it was just a close contact thing and, and there, was, there hasn't been a positive test. It looks like he's going to be back uh, at practice when the week gets going on Wednesday. But, um, yeah, it could happen. You know, I think there's, there's different levels to that prediction, right? So if you want to put it in kind of the outrageous category it's, it's where, or bold category, it's where you would say he's going to start a game. It's conceivable the case might have to come out here and, and finish play three quarters of a football game or half of a football game. Um, you know, again, it's, it's one of those wonky things that, that happens uh, in the NFL. Scott, what's your second one? All right. So my second one is Odell Beckham Jr., who is currently second among all wide receivers on the Browns and targets with 43. Jarvis Landry has 48. Odell Beckham, with his 43 targets, will finish the season second in targets among wide receivers. That's my bold prediction. Now, Rashard Higgins is second, is third among wide receivers. He's got 15 targets. Nine of those came in the last two weeks um, with with, uh, OBJ out. So what we're saying here is that Higgins is not going to average three and a half targets per game over the rest of the season. Uh, the reason I think that is because number one, Landry, I think is really going to become a focal point of uh, with Baker Mayfield and you have Hooper coming back and Bryant and Ujoku have really proven themselves over the last few games. They've each made plays. Um, and then you also have Kareem Hunt in this equation. Um, Kadero Hodge is going to keep getting reps, although he has as many, almost as many run blocking snaps. He's got 70 run blocking snaps as he does pass routes which he has 73 of. So he's really, you know, he's on the field for things that don't have to do with catching the ball a lot. So I think Higgins doesn't get there. I think OBJ, which is really kind of sad and surprising, but I think he finishes the year with second in, in, in targets among receivers. So you're, so you're leaving tight ends off of that, obviously. Then. Yeah. I'm leaving tight ends and running backs off of it because right now um, Hooper hunt and Bryant are three, four, five. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. That's a good prediction. Yes, I, I could see that because, uh, you know, they will probably spread the ball around a little bit amongst those role players. I mean, you're going to have, you know, all of them can do different things. We talked about how it sort of takes a village to replace an Odell Beckham Jr. So therefore, you know, when you need a little speed, Tadero, when you need, you know, a little change up, you got Donovan that can do some different things, some good size. Uh, you know, and then you've got Richard, who's kind of like a, sometimes I say a poor man's Jarvis Landry in some ways. Uh, so they, they, you know, they've all got their different roles that they play. The only reason why I would think that perhaps Richard could get there, is, and, and I think it would be really tough, is because, you know, I think that Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt sort of noticed, you know, that there is a good chemistry with Baker 
and Richard, but I still think it would be hard for him to get there. I mean, Jarvis is only, you know, how many, tar- how many targets is he getting per game? Uh, he's got 48. Uh, so yeah, divided by I'm eight. I'm bad at math. Yeah. <laughs> Five something? Six. Six. Six, yeah, a little over six. Yeah, so it, it, it would be, it'll be hard for, for Richard to get there. That's a good prediction. Yeah, I, I don't really have, uh, I don't know that I can really add to that. I, at first, I realized you were just talking receivers, and I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, obviously Austin Hooper's right there. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt can, can, is going to get a lot of targets, too, I'm assuming. But, yeah, I mean, you look at kind of how that division of targets among the receivers, uh, you just don't have a reliable guy there at number two right now who's going to be on the field for every snap and, and get targeted a lot. So, yeah, I think that, that's a tough one to argue with. Okay, uh, here is mine, and, and I'm doing this one on the fly, but I actually think this is a good one. Uh, and maybe it's, it's a little small scale, but I wish I could make it bigger, but, but I can't. Uh, but Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to finish 1-2 among AFC North runners in, in rushing yardage. So it's going to be Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb 1-2 as the top running backs in yardage uh, in, among AFC North uh, running backs actually you know what i'll just say in the afc north in general i'm gonna i'm gonna really throw this out there so we can throw lamar jackson into the mix so here's your here's your total right now kareem hunt is currently number one in the north at 529 yards james connor at 520 lamar's at 469 joe mixon's at 428 and then you got to go all the way down nick chubb in his four games at 335 yards i don't think i'm missing anybody um assuming nick chubb is back and healthy and 100 percent on sunday or as close to 100% as he's going to be on Sunday. I don't see any reason that, that he can't kind of pick up where he left off, start breaking off 100-yard games. We know how they like to play with those two backs, how, how Chubb kind of delivers the early punches and Kareem Hunt kind of knocks him out in the fourth quarter. Uh, if he's got that lead already in the north. James Conner, I'm not a big James Conner fan. He, he gets most of his yards against the Browns for the most part. <laughs> So uh, I think we're going to have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb leading the AFC North in rushing yardage by the time all is said and done, even with Nick Chubb having missed four games. You know what? It's a good prediction. Like you, you spelled it out there. The only thing I was just about to look up was how many games did Joe Mixon miss? Joe Uh, Mixon has played six games. So he's played six and he is at four twenty eight in six so and he's not um playing the browns anymore so right <laughs> and uh you know that's where he makes his hay so um so yeah i think your prediction is probably pretty safe i can see it i, th- I think the wild card is probably lamar yeah see, because i'm including including lamar that kind of makes it uh, i don't know we'll see because he you know yeah. he could have another thousand yard season and we'll see but uh He's at, he's at 469 right now through eight games on 79 attempts, 5.9 a carry. But um, I think it could happen. I think you could have those two, one, two in the AFC North. And he is playing the Browns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think either Connor or Lamar Jackson will fit in there. It's totally conceivable that Nick Chubb could, uh, you know, end up on the top of that list. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt obviously has benefited from Chubb being out. I think that's tough because <laughs> while they're going to be more focused on the run over the second half of the season, I think we're going to see more of that split. And 
it just makes more sense to me that someone like Connor or Lamar Jackson could could slip in there. And I think it's more likely to be above Kareem Hunt than than above Nick Chubb. Okay, let, let me ask you guys this. Aside from from the where where these guys end up ranking, so Kareem Hunt has 529 yards right now. Nick Chubb has 335, so he would need 665 yards over the last eight games. Is there any chance both these guys get to a thousand? Kareem would need 471, and of course and they're Nick splitting needs, carries with each other. Nick needs six something. Nick, yeah, I, I think Nick he needs about down. six. What did I say? 600 and uh, 665. It's possible. It's possible because they're playing some really bad defenses. So, and I think that they are going to going to emphasize the run. So I, I, I think that it, it actually, it actually is possible. You know, Kareem Hunt has never had a hundred yard rushing game with the Browns. Not that he definitely needs to do that to get there this season, but um, I think we even talked about that prior to the season. Can Chubb and Hunt, uh, you know, pull a Mac and Biner and each have a thousand yards. I, I think Ellis Williams wrote that that is that that's totally possible as long as they led the the league in in rushing attempts, uh, and they very well could over the second half of the season. Um, but for Chubb to get there and to make up all this ground, I think you really have to cut into the amount of carries Kareem Hunt's going to get. And I think that one of the things they're really going to uh, one of the things Kevin Stefanski is really going to pay attention to is how much he's using both of them over the second half of the season because Chubb's coming off the injury, Kareem Hunt's been banged up. And you want to use this to your advantage. So, um, yeah, I don't, it, it's going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. Not that, oh, not that oh. they're going to not going to have a good season down the stretch, but yeah. I just think it's tough to reach that benchmark. Yeah, it, it, it'll be, it's, it's doable, but it would be, it would be tough. It would mean running the ball a lot, which they probably will do. It would be running the ball a lot in some bad weather games as, as they get to the end of the season a lot. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it will be close. You know what actually could hurt them too, and Scott, I think I think you're kind of alluding to this. Is you know Kevin Stefanski is a pretty good coach, and so that means if he's looking at a, an opposing defense and he's saying, you know what, it's sort of like what the Bills did against Seattle on Sunday. Uh, you know, not that they would go 28-3 past a run ratio, but sort of you know look back at the Indianapolis game. I think we can throw the ball on these guys. Let's attack them through the air here early, and uh, and try and do it that way. I, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to be afraid to do things differently. If he's looking at the opposing defense and saying, this is the best way um, to attack them. So in a weird way, maybe they're too well coached for both of those guys to, uh, <laughs> to get to a thousand yards. It's a burden. Now here's the other thing to think about too, is that without Odell, you know, you, you might be able to keep an extra safety down in the box a little bit and work a little harder at stopping the run against the Cleveland Browns than you were able to when you had Odell on the field. Now they still have plenty of weapons. I mean, you know, if you put Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant out there, David Njoku and Jarvis and uh, you know, Kareem, I mean, you, you know, you, you can't necessarily just stack the box, but, uh, but I do think that it, it kind of takes away a little bit of that element of stretching the defense a little bit. You guys are just raining on my prediction parade. Just add them to my long list of, of wrong predictions this year. Hey, I just can, got can I, I, didn't look at your, I didn't look at your 20 questions post this week because I couldn't stomach all the predictions I got wrong in those 20 <laughs> questions. Yeah, there was some some rough things in there, but you know, there's a lot of things we just don't know yet. So it, it was kind of across the board. 
Can I throw out the prediction? We, uh, my prediction we didn't use. Yes. yes. It's, it's, I want to see what you guys think of this. That my my uh, other prediction, if, if Mary Kay had gone with Miles Garrett um, earlier, was uh, five Browns will make the Pro Bowl. Four of them, I think, are to me at least are kind of obvious. Miles Garrett, Wyatt Teller, Nick Chubb, Joel Batoni. I think Chubb makes it there, even if he doesn't, you know, challenge for the rushing title. I think his performance last year carries over and just. I think he's going to have a good second half. So those four. And then the, the fifth one is either going to be Jarvis Landry or Denzel Ward, whoever makes more big plays down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's realistic? I think Jarvis has the reputation thing going for him. Mm-hmm. So you always Five have to kind of factor that in. Um, Joel is interesting because he's, he's made it as an alternate the last two years, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he's, for some reason, he just doesn't get that initial sort of respect of, uh, I, I'd have to look to see who was getting those, uh, who was getting those votes last year. Um, but I mean, look, he deserves it. So, so he's an interesting one. Jarvis wouldn't surprise me. You know, Nick Chubb, again, there's that reputation thing. And if he has a huge last eight games, when do they do voting? Early December? I think it starts the 17th. I think at least okay. as far as fans can go. And actually, I mean, there is no game this year, but yeah. there's still going to be a Pro Bowl team. So, he's, so he's, wait got a plenty, he's got plenty of time to make his case. Who are your definites again, Scott? Miles? Miles Garrett and Wyatt Teller. And I think Chubb and Antonio are kind of like the next level. Okay. Um, I, I, oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I, I've been looking at Jarvis's numbers a lot lately. And you know, they're just not Pro Bowl numbers. I mean, they're just not. I mean, it would be really hard to justify it if he it continues, if he has a second half the way that he did. But if he goes lights out the second half, and I think he's going to have a much better second half, that will be fresh in everybody's mind at voting time. And you just think of him, as you said, uh, Dan, as, you know, that he's a Pro Bowler. He never misses the Pro Bowler, Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think he's got that going for him. I, I think Denzel Ward is having a Pro Bowl season. I, he would help his cause if he can get his hands on a few footballs. Uh, in the mm-hmm. second half, you know, that would help him a lot. Um, but I, I think he's got a shot. So I, I think you're definitely in the ballpark there. That Pro Bowl would mean a lot to Denzel Ward in that fifth-year option, too. That would make that yeah. a little a little more valuable uh, for him. You know, the, the one thing I was thinking while you guys were talking about that, too, is maybe the best of that group and the guy who feels like he should be the most sure thing, sure thing Wyatt Teller, I wonder if there's a lag there because – you know, guards don't put up stats. So it's, you know, the offensive line is very much a reputation based thing. And these guys go, you know, Hey, I've played against this guy and he's really good. I mean, think about how good JC Treader's been and he can't get into the pro bowl. Right. Um, so I, I wonder if it might be hard for Wyatt Teller to get in just because there's not like a stat out there that says, Oh, this guy's playing, playing like crazy unless these players are, you know, spending all their day on pro football focus. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's no real, hard solid way for them to see that Wyatt Teller is having the best season of any guard in the league right now. I think knowing how often they run right though, too, like teams, they, they, they know that they watch the film or they're preparing for them and they see who the Browns are running behind. And I think that could help him, but, but yeah, you're right. There's no, uh, you know, it's easy to see why Miles Garrett's pro bowler and maybe not, not so much Wyatt Teller. Unless we go on a, you know, like massive Wyatt Teller blitz and all of the, you know, the Browns and the, all the local media just keeps talking him up and get, getting him out there. I mean, that, that does make a difference when you bring a player's great season 
to light. I, I think, you know, it has happened before where, um, you know, we keep writing about a guy enough that's having a good season. The word does get out there. All right. Well, stay tuned for Wyatt Teller week on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. <laughs> uh, until then, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, check out Football Insider at cleveland.com slash Browns click on the blue banner up at the top of the page uh, to get uh, all the information there and get signed up and get involved with our texting, our newsletter, all of that good stuff. Uh, Scott and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening.